Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. My friends, financial freedom is very intimately connected to your intellectual freedom, your emotional freedom, your physical freedoms, and people don't seem to understand that. But yet, the financial freedom, the financial motivation is behind almost everything we do. And until you realize that, that you get up every single day and do the same thing, day in, day out, week in, week out, month month in, month out, year in, year out. And think about this. I want you just to seriously sit there in your car or on your couch or at your office and you're listening to this and think about this. Why do you live your life exactly the same every day? Why don't you just get up today? You know what? Let's just go somewhere. Let's just tour. Let's travel. Let's do something. Because you're trapped. What are you trapped into? You're trapped into trying to replace your income every month. Month to month, you need to replace your income. You have different types of income out there, but the most important type is cash flow. It's regular, reoccurring income that comes both regularly and reoccurring. In other words, it's got to come not only reoccurringly, you've got to get it month after month after month after month, but it's also got to come on a regular basis. It's difficult for most of you to live like a contract labor person where a painter might paint for a year and sell a painting and have to live off that money for a year. An actor might go and act in one movie and then not act again for two or three movies and have to live off of it. Most of us don't live that way. Most of us get a paycheck and figure out how to live on it till the next paycheck is what's really going on. Now, somebody sent me an email the other day, and it was really like a life manifesto of how they believed our society was going to hell. And the basic concept was, is that we were all losing our personal freedoms. That we've all become this generic mosh pot of people trying to act and look like each other. We now have to generically speak the same because there's politically incorrect speech out there. You can't speak the way you want. You have to speak the way everybody wants you to speak. You have to dress the way everybody wants you to dress. You have to act the way everybody wants you to act, right? You have to live up to their expectations of society. And in this email, they went off on all these different things that drove them crazy about that concept. And yet, with all of that, you break it all down, it still comes down to one thing. You have to fit into those expectations of those norms to feel good about yourself because that's how they grade you. There's a grading card out there for you in society, for yourself, for your family, for your friends. And by the way, if even if you don't grade yourself, your kids go to school, their friends grade you, 
your kids come home and regrade you and say, hey, my parents, you know, my kids, friends said, you know, why does your mom and dad do this? Don't do this. Don't have this. You know, why? Why is it my friends have these expensive electronics and I don't? So you're being graded by society in all ways. But I'm going to propose to you today that all of that grading can be solved. And it brings me back to a recollection of a book I read a long time ago, which really changed my life, completely changed my life. And people always ask me, what book should I read? Hey, if you want to be happy in life, I recommend you read this book. The name of the book is How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World by Harry Brown. It was published in 1973. Now, to timeline that and make it relevant, you have to understand that during the 50s and 60s, you had Norman Vincent Peale and many, many other self-help people that had started this self-help concept of how to win friends and influence people, right? How think and grow rich, on and on and on. There's probably a hundred of these books, how to succeed, but almost all of the books were wrapped around the fact that you've got to go out there and dress for success, drive the right car, make sure your family, you have the right family, you know, and, and you look at these things and the perfect example of the perfect family coming out of this is the Bush family. You know, here's a guy's a war hero, dresses for success, starting with a uniform. Then he becomes a vice president and before that actually was running the CIA. So now he's dressed for success in another form. Then he becomes president of the United States. His son becomes governor of the largest state in the country. Another son becomes governor of another large state. Other son goes from governor to president. Think about that. This is a guy who lived up to America's expectations. So does everybody else have to live up to that level of expectation to be happy or not? He was also a very successful businessman, had a lot of money. His family has a lot of money now. Again, you ask yourself, do you have to live up to that level of expectation to be happy? And I would suggest to you that you don't need to live up to those expectations to be happy. I would propose to you, like Harry Brown said in his book, that you too can find freedom in an unfree world, because this is an unfree world. You have to go out and find a way to buy your freedom back. Because really, society has got you controlled by two aspects. And you can work on either end of the aspect, which is really interesting. Um, there's an argument for both sides, by the way. And there's an argument for not doing both sides. But one of the arguments is, is that you could reduce what you desire to have in life. In Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki says that his poor dad would say, son, we can't afford that. And his rich dad would say the same thing, but in a different way, he'd say, what do we need to do to afford that? So the concept is, which one is more important? To find a way to go have more stuff that we want in our life? Yes. Or to find a way to want less junk in our lives. My dad told me something when I was young I thought was very interesting. Um, in fact, you know, you look at your dad, and my dad was not a superstar in any mode. 
any way, shape, mode that I've ever seen. He was not a superstar athlete, not a superstar um, educated person. Uh, you know, he had college education, but not to the high level. Um, he wasn't a super successful business person. He had his own personal business late in life, but it was not that successful. Uh, he retired with some money in the bank to leave to his wife, but not as much as I make in a year, not even half of what I make in a year. So I'm not, I'm not putting him down, but what I'm saying is, but he had some very inspirational pieces, some things that were just, um, I guess there's, there, there's, uh, even in all the thorn bushes, there's still a rose out there. You know, there's that one juicy bit of information. One of the things he used to tell me, and I still believe it today, I believe it more strongly today than I believed it when I was younger, and that is, you don't own stuff, stuff owns you. So I have this house. What great stuff to own, except we just had the maid leave a few minutes ago. Yesterday, we had the uh, pool guy in. You know, a week ago, we had the guy that comes in and uh, makes sure all the fountains work. We have like uh, 9 or 10, 11 fountains in this house. Uh, we had the pond guy that has to come in and clean the pond and keep the pond working. We have the landscaping guy who mows and landscapes the yard. And then another different group of landscaping people who trim the trees and keep everything, you know, the way they should be. Uh, on and on and on. You know, there's just a tremendous amount of stuff that you have to do. You know, I have 20-car garage. I have to vacuum a 20-car garage. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm financially free, so I am free. So I have the time, and, and I get some enjoyment out of just piddling around in my garages and cleaning them up. And it gives my type B personality the ability to go out there and build something and then clean up the mess and be happy about it and live off of, off of that joy. But... The point is the stuff, the house, a lot of older people decide that let's just downsize from this monster. Let's get rid of this thing. We don't need it. And so they get rid of it and they move down to a little condo in Boca Raton or something like that. You know, a little one bedroom, two bedroom condo. And they're happy as can be that they don't have all that stuff. So one side of the aspect is you can just get rid of all the stuff and have very little to deal with. Get up every day and live your esoteric life of voila. What do I want? Where do I go? What do I do? Right? But the other side of that is, even if you get rid of all the stuff, you still have to have money to live off of. And the old perception that you can pile up a large enough pile of money that you can live off of it is a fleeting belief system. Very fleeting. It's on its way out the door, if not already gone. Kicked in the butt is the door. You know, they say, don't let the door hit you in the butt as you walk out the door. I think this idea is the doors hit it in the butt. It's gone. People realize you can't save enough in a 401k to live. People are living longer lives. My uncle just had his 80th birthday. Before my uncle, the eldest Wamsley family members, male family member, was 65 years old. I planned my entire life to live to 65 and die. Everything I did, everything was because I thought I would be dead by 65 because every other male was. And so I lived my life with exuberance and I lived it fast and hard because I thought it'd be all over by 65. Here I am 62 and I've almost died three or four times. I'm sitting here now. Uh, hey, I might not live past 65. I am really thankful that I believed I wouldn't live by 65. And right now I hope that I live to 90. So don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying I'm going to die, but I'm saying, but I'm sure glad that I acted as if I wouldn't live to 90 
But at the same token, I could have taken on the belief system that by living tonight or dying at 65, I'm 62, I've got mega millions of dollars of net worth and cash. Shouldn't I be spending it all? Shouldn't I just right now blow it all out because I'm going to be gone? And that's a presumption. But the presumption is wrong because for that to happen, I would have to get rid of the income producing machines. I own something like seven or eight companies, not to mention five apartment complexes, right? So you've got all of these different entities throwing cash at me. I'm not selling these things to make money. They are making me money. I have what is known as passive streams of income. And so I can do what I want to do. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's very selfish of you. No, it's not. Because what I choose to do with that money is to be on the radio and share it with tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people weekly. What I do with that money is put together the most expensive and comprehensive training program for financial freedom in the country. And all of that doesn't come cheap. It cost me millions to set up lifestyles, maybe even tens of millions over the years. And it's available for you to change your life. So don't say that people with wealth are selfish. Because if you don't have anything, you have nothing to give away. I have a firm belief. If you don't have enough to give away, you don't have enough. You have nothing. If you're still trying to fight to guard to protect your little set of pebbles, then you're not there yet. You still have a ways to go. But when you're truly financially free, when you're truly financially free, then what happens is you won't worry about money anymore. And you will be willing to use your money to not only enhance your life, but to enhance those around you. Coming up here in the future, wow. Don't you just love giving? Giving is way more fun than receiving. Don't get me wrong. I like a new pair of slippers once a year because the old ones wear out. You Don't get me wrong. I like a new shirt once a year. But by gosh, what do you buy a guy who's a multimillionaire? I'll tell you what you buy him. Love. And you only get love when you're willing to give more than you get. Take a short break. Be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. To the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life changing principles in just a few minutes. Everyone is asking is it still a good time to invest in real estate? We see no indication that for the foreseeable future and even the unforeseeable future, no indication whatsoever that real estate is suddenly not going to be the best vehicle for creating wealth and passive income for your family. And so that would say that now is the time to get in. And we very rarely talk about this because we talk about cash flow. But now we're talking a little bit about capital gains and what the future brings in that property. Because it's real, at the end of the day, you have all your cash flow, but you've got this nice capital gain when you sell. And the inflation that we see and the reasons for it are going to continue 
and we're going to see great capital gains at the end of the line when we sell these properties. Get in on the next free workshop. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're talking about how I found freedom in an unfree world. That's a title and author, title of a book authored by Harry Brown back in 1973. This was a response to what had happened during the 50s and 60s of the self-help era when everybody had to start looking and acting the same, that you had to succeed. You've got to keep up with the Joneses became a major theory in life. I saw this the other day. It blew my mind. You ever fly in on an airplane to a city and you look at subdivision after subdivision after subdivision? I go on forever because that's how many there are. Have you ever got in a car and just drove down the street of a subdivision? House after house after house after house. Some of them 10 feet apart. Some of them 15 feet apart. Some of them are patio homes. They're only like five feet apart. Millions of people living generic lives. I mean, there's very little difference between the beginning of their life to the end of the life of any person living in that neighborhood. There's very little difference in the quality of their life. They all live in the same price housing. They all live in the same location, same city. They all go to the center kids, the same school. How did we ever become so generic as a person, as a culture, as a family, that it's to the point where we, you know, live exactly like the people that live around us? If you can't live up to that expectation, then what happens? Well, then you have to find a way to do it, so you search out self-help books. And I love one of the statements was made uh, by Covey in one of his books. He said that uh, you could have all of the self-help books in the world and motivational books in the world, and you could be climbing the right ladder, but get to the top of the ladder and find out the ladder's leaning against the wrong building and realize that even though you're not even at the right place, you're not going where you want to go, you're not ending up where you thought you'd end up or where you wanted to end up, you could be happy. What gets in the way of a great life, a good life? What gets in the way of a good life, an okay life? And what does that mean? That means that you're satisfied. All of this self-help genre out there is kicking you in the butt and going, don't be satisfied. Now, this is the stuff that I grew up with in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s to where it was like, You've got to grow as a human being. You've got to learn how to do public speaking. You have to learn how to groom yourself. You have to, you know, dress the part for success. You've got to drive the right car. I remember I was working in a health club, and they promoted one of the guys from area supervisor to vice president of the company. And what they did was they went out and bought him a Cadillac, a convertible Mercedes, SL500, something like that. Wasn't that expensive because it was used? He was told... When you drive around from club to club as a vice president of the company, you can't drive the Jeep. And this guy drove a Jeep. He was really an outdoorsman. He came from an outdoorsy kind of life, grew up in the woods, became a bodybuilder, won some contests, ended up in the health club business, and grew up through the business. And now he was getting promoted. Smart guy. But they couldn't let him drive his Jeep around. He didn't look like a vice president. When he was a supervisor driving around in a pair of sweatpants and a sweatshirt, it was one thing, but now he had to drive around in suit, and he had to have a Mercedes. Because if you didn't look the part, you couldn't be the part. People wouldn't respond to you correctly. You know, when I started Lifestyles, I'd come in in blue jeans, T-shirt, dress shirt, and that was it. 
the joke became who could wear the nicest shirt without getting dressed up. And so we created the shirt Nazis. In other words, everybody had to wear a nice shirt. It was kind of a fun, competitive thing, but it really meant nothing. To this day, I go to meetings, I still don't dress up. And I'm the president, CEO of a major corporation. I still don't dress up. Even public, when I go in front of 5,000 people, for respect to them, I'll put on a sports coat. Still have on blue jeans and a sports coat. Still have on tennis shoes. You know, if you look at other really important people, they don't dress up either. It's the people who fake it till you make it. You remember that saying? I really believe this is true, that this is what was taught to us from, you know, the 60s, 70s, 80s, is that you fake it till you make it. You dress like your success. You talk like your success. You hang around successful people and you will be successful. But what you've done is you've given up your freedom of self-expression to fit in to become successful at the level of success that they believe is important. Now I'd like to share with you that's not the right thing to do, or at least not the right thing for people like myself. Maybe for you, that was enough. Maybe when you've worked your way through the fake it till you make it to you actually had some kind of a job description that made you feel good, that was fine. But you're still working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, 52 weeks a year, maybe only 50 because you get some vacation. You're still struggling. You're still living a life of quiet desperation. Now, I want to talk to you about really being free. I want to talk to you about the series of steps that it takes to be very free. If we can work through those steps, then we have a chance of being free. And the first thing you have to do is you have to decide that freedom is an option. Most important thing, I want you to go out and get this book. If you want to follow along with this discussion I'm going to have, go out and get the book, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World. And realize freedom can occur right now, today. It's not something you have to wait for. You don't get to a certain amount of money, you become free. No, freedom is something you decide on. And the second you decide to be free, you become mentally free. Then we can work on the chains that hold you down, both physically, financially, socially, politically, and so forth. And by the way, in that book, he's got a chapter on every one of those and how to break out of those chains. But we'll do it in a very simple manner. We'll walk through it today in a path that you can follow very easily. And that path starts with you believing freedom is possible. We're going to work on the financial freedom aspect of it. And so the next thing you have to do is you have to convince those people around you that are trying to hold you in shackles. You can start with people like your parents and so forth who... Uh, I've controlled, manipulated you your whole life. You've got to go to college. You've got to get a job. You've got to save your money. You've got to put money in your 401k, blah, 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 blah. And just tune them out. They don't have anything to do with your real life anymore. You love them, but they live their own free life. You don't tell them what to do. They don't tell you what to do. Next, the harder one, you got to tell your spouse. You know, honey, I'm not going to work 50, 60 hours a week for the rest of my life. I know that that's what I promised when we got married, but I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry. I've been the mule for so long in the family. I can't do it anymore. And so I need you to let me go start investing. I'm going to go investigate this stuff at Lifestyles. I'm going to go figure out how they're doing this stuff to retire like they did in two to five years. And then when you come in and you hear the information, be free to let it sink in. Next level of freedom is to buy that first investment. To break free 
from your ingrained investment strategies and structures that you've been living your entire life to break out of those, to pull some money out of the 401k IRA, paid in full home, paid in full rental house. You break away from Dave Ramsey and step into the real world of investing. Boy, that's a freedom that you will never overcome. You just It's going to be the greatest thing that ever happened to you. There's a guy on the Internet that I recently started following just to, to see a completely different personality in action than mine. And this guy says that he wants to be a billionaire. We'd all like to be a billionaire, but are you willing to work that hard? He is. And the guy is on video 24-7 a day everywhere he goes. His family, his kids, everything is videotaped everywhere he goes. Is videotaped. I think he's got a video in the bathroom just to be able to show you how a rich, super successful person goes to the bathroom. That's how ridiculous this guy is. Everywhere he goes, he's in his roles. He's showing his roles constantly. He's showing his watches constantly. He's showing his, you know, uh, his plane, his jet plane constantly. And all of that is wrapped around the fact that he's saying he's a teacher, but what is he teaching? Here's his message. My message is real estate's incredible. You need to be in it, but you're too stupid to do it. You'll never be able to do it as well as I do. So why don't you give me your money and I'll invest it for you. Right. And so he goes on and he says all over the place, your money is really my money that I haven't figured out how to get out of your hands yet. That's his prescription for success. Your money is really my money. I haven't figured out how to get out of your hands yet. And I will never be happy until I am a billionaire. I own all this stuff. I control all this stuff. And he's buying all these apartments all over the country using everybody else's money but his own. And so he's saying, but this is my apartment. I bought this. I did this. Okay, enough on that guy. You can see that I just get nerved up by his approach to life. But it's irrelevant because he's just as good a person as I am. But what's important is that I don't have to listen to that. My ability to be free is my ability to say that that doesn't matter at all. That all that hyperbole, all that hype, all that stuff, just like the garbage in my garage that I have to take care of, the trash, the this, the that, all that stuff doesn't control me. Remember what my dad said, you don't control stuff, stuff controls you. You don't own stuff, stuff owns you. And that type of thinking process, that there's never enough, that's the kind of thinking process that controls you. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you tomorrow. Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation.
information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.